This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Donald Trump continues to find himself in a world of shit, especially now as Special Prosecutor Jack Smith tightens the screws on what appears to be an airtight case against Trump for his mishandling of classified documents. The consensus over the last revelation, which happens to be an audio recording of the former president admitting, admitting that he had retained a classified document after he left office. I mean, it's quite simply, game fucking over, Donald. You're an idiot. Knowing that he's in deep shit, Trump turned to his favorite apologist, Sean Hannity, to deny the charges. During a town hall-style interview, the Fox News lackey on Thursday, Trump was asked about the claims first reported by CNN that special counsel Jack Smith's office has received a recording of him openly talking about possessing a secret Pentagon paper during a meeting in July of 2021 and that he couldn't show it to others present as he no longer had the power to declassify the document. I don't know anything about it. All I know is this. Everything I did was right, Trump said at the event hosted in Iowa. We had the Presidential Records Act, which I abided by 100%, he then added, in reference to the act implemented in the wake of the Richard Nixon Watergate scandal, which, by the way, means every presidential document must, and let me say it again, Donald, if you're listening, it must be sent to the National Archives when the president leaves office. And that's not what you did, did you, buddy? The recording indicates that Trump knew that he kept the classified material. The former president, or should I say the former idiot-in-chief, suggests in the audio that he wants to share the information but is unable to do so due to the classification, undercutting his very, very outward claims that he declassified the documents he took home. The recording includes about two minutes of Trump talking about the Iran document, according to the report, but is part of a much longer meeting. Special counsel Jack Smith has focused on the meeting as part of the Mar-a-Lardo probe, and sources told CNN that it is an important piece of evidence in a possible case against the former president. So here's my question to you. The question is why? And that's quite simply if you understand the particular pathology of Donald J. Trump. And here's your answer. He wants to control the narrative. Trump in the meeting was angry. He was angry about news reports that Mark Milley urged him not get a load of this shit, not to attack Iran in the final days of his presidency. And he appeared to believe the document would undercut Milley's reported statements. So in July of 2021, the New Yorker Susan Glasser had reported that near the end of Trump's presidency, Milley had raised concerns about Trump trying to strike Iran and had told the Joint Chiefs of Staff to ensure Trump issued no illegal orders. Can you imagine this shit? Mark Milley tells the Joint Chiefs to ensure that Trump issues no illegal orders and that he be immediately informed if there was any concern. That story, of course, outraged Trump. And on the tape, he mentions the document, which he said came from Milley in response to that story, arguing that if others could see it, it would discredit Milley, the sources said. 
And there it is, folks. Donald Trump's uncontrollable ego and fucking narcissism will now create an espionage charge against him. So the question remains when, and more importantly, how soon? Meanwhile, Fulton County Prosecutor Fonnie T. Willis, well, she went ahead and expanded the scope of her investigation against Trump in his failed attempt to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia. Now, according to the Washington Post, prosecutors have broadened the probe to include Trump's activities in Washington, D.C., as well as several other states, a sign that prosecutors have widened the scope of their massive RICO investigation. Willis's investigation is independent from the Jack Smith DOJ probe, but nevertheless it covers much of the same terrain. The difference being that one will likely bring a federal indictment and the other will bring state charges. Willis will likely make a decision on charging Trump, they say, in August. While the GOP has assailed her investigation, the widening probe shows that Willis knows that she has the goods. Now, Trump's CNN town hall, I mean, that may also come back to bite him in the ass after the fucking moron boasted about calling Brad Raffensperger to tell him, you owe me votes because the election was rigged. Now, according to the Post, Willis could offer that statement as evidence of Trump's intent for Raffensperger to switch votes. Willis has also scrutinized the actions of Rudy Colludi, Drunken Giuliani, as well as the rest of the Trump clown show in the days just after election, in which he and Sidney Kraken Powell described bullshit conspiracies of voting machine rigging where Trump votes were being swapped for Biden votes, as well as the story that Atlanta poll workers triple-counted duffel bags full of ballots, something that we all know was complete and utter bullshit. And that's just in the past few days, my friends. I mean, the combination of the Jack Smith investigation and Willis's has Trump's legal team running around in full chaos. He can't keep his fucking mouth shut. And by continuing to do so, his lawyers are becoming government witnesses. So let's hope all this leads to an epic perp walk sometime soon, like this fall. Welcome to the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In the 1980s, they were the largest financial markets in the world. This guy made two million, this guy made three million, this guy made four million. It was like an ATM machine for uh, traders. Traders were making money hand over fist, and they thought it was their own little secret. Four FBI men wearing wires infiltrated the Board of Trade and the Mercantile Exchange. This lavish and daring undercover operation was the most expensive in the Bureau's history. But was it successful? It all depends who you ask. The FBI used extraordinary means to detect extraordinary fraud. They were down there to expose a big cheating scandal, did they? I don't think they did. From Entropy Media, this is Brokers, Bagmen, and Moles. Available now wherever you listen. And now for the main event. My next guest on Maya Culpa is podcaster, radio host, and columnist Joe Walsh. 
Joe was elected to the House of Representatives in 2011 from Illinois' 8th District. He also ran for the presidency and then blew up his whole life when he spoke out against the MAGA cult and gave Trump the bird. I mean, to quote Joe, Republicans have become fully radicalized and anti-democracy. Joe's podcast called White Flag strives to find a path to unite, not divide us politically. And he pulls no punches in his latest book, Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian con man he is. He has of late railed against the GOP establishment who voted for Trump in 2020. And he believes the rest of us simply forgot their actions. He is also deeply worried about the future of the GOP and the idea that there is no longer space for a sane anti-Trump candidate who supports small government as well as fiscal conservatism. What happens next is anyone's guess, and I promise you, this conversation is off the charts. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Joe, I want to start off today with this crazy, just a crazy fucking hypothetical. There's no other way to put this thing. If given a choice between Trump and DeSantis with a gun to your head, because that's how crazy this hypothetical is, with a gun to your head between Trump and DeSantis, the ultimate awful choice, who do you choose and why? That's easy, uh, Michael. Good to be with you. DeSantis. And I don't like DeSantis. I think he's a dick. I know DeSantis. But Donald Trump is unique, man. He's an existential threat to our democracy. Two and a half years ago, he tried to fucking end our democracy. Nobody's like that. So, uh, a, a former colleague of mine, Michael, David Jolly on MSNBC sure. said the other day, what the hell, that DeSantis is as dangerous as Trump? Bullshit. Donald Trump tried to end our democracy. Nothing's as dangerous as Donald Trump. Well, look, there's a Quinnipiac poll that recently came out, and they actually answered the question here, and I thought this was kind of interesting. And they stayed in a hypothetical general election matchup for president. The race is neck and neck between Joe Biden receiving 48 percent and Trump receiving 46 percent. However, when Biden is matched up against DeSantis, and this is in the general election, the race is even closer, this time with DeSantis receiving 47 percent and Biden receiving 46 percent amongst all registered voters. So one would think that the Republican Party, that the GOP, would actually turn around and say, well, based upon the numbers, it appears that we have a better chance of success stepping away from Trump, but they're not. Uh, because, Michael, they don't believe Trump lost in 2020. Look, a lot of these polls are, are all over the map, but Trump is actually doing a lot better head to head against Biden. So that argument of DeSantis is really isn't carrying water. But here's the thing, Michael, most Republican voters uh, they heard in 2016, Trump has no fucking shot anyone. Most Republican voters heard in 2020 that Donald Trump wasn't going to win and they believe he won. 
So they're, they're not buying it when so-called experts say that Trump can't win in November. And by the way, Michael, I, 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 think, I think that's wrong. And I think people who believe that if it is Biden-Trump, Biden will win again automatically, I think they're crazy. There's a decent chance Trump could get reelected. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Look, I will acknowledge that Trump seems to be carrying the GOP, but I do truly believe in a general election, especially based upon the way the electoral votes are structured in this country, that Trump cannot possibly win. That his, his behavior, his actions, the five different litigations that he's currently entangled in, the civil um, determination against Trump with E. Jean Carroll. You know, there are enough women who will step away that maybe voted for him in 2016. The young generation, the Gen Zers now, are anti-Trump for a multitude of reasons, including Roe versus Wade. I mean, there's just so much that's going on. Though I acknowledge and I do truly believe that Trump will be, unless something unusual happens, he will be the GOP's nominee. I mean, this guy, twice impeached, found civilly liable for sexual assault, criminally indicted with his company, has a, another civil action with the attorney general, potential criminal federal with the dissent with uh what's his name with um with um jack smith on the yeah. uh mar-a-lago case as well as you know the january 6th insurrection you you i mean appropriately termed it the guy wants to destroy our democracy and anybody that doesn't see that is either blind deaf or dumb and yet the guy's carrying 56% support among Republicans, right? Amongst Republican-leaning voters. This ass clown has 56%, followed by DeSantis, who's got approximately 25, right? Then you have Nikki Haley with 3%. I mean, seriously, right? And you have Mike Pence. Uh, then you got Tim Scott and Governor Chris Christie, each with 2% or under, and then there's, I don't know, uh, supposedly like eight additional individuals that are potentials yeah. that each have less than 2% support. I mean, 56% going with a guy who has no moral compass, who has shown authoritarian tendencies, dictatorial tendencies, and yet 56% of your former party want this guy. Yes. Hey, Michael, you nailed it. He's a criminal and he's a traitor and he will be the Republican Party nominee. That tells you where my former party is. Uh, I think that's automatic. And the only other person in the polls, as you mentioned, who's even registering a little bit is DeSantis. But the more people get to hear from and look at DeSantis, they don't like him. He's got zero personality, zero charm. He's thin skinned. He's not wearing well, Michael. This is Trump's. But again, then I go to the general. Biden is 
I, look, I, I voted for Biden. I will campaign my ass off for Biden. Biden's old. Uh, Biden now has a record that he has Donald to Donald is old also. Donald is no, no, no spring no, no, fucking no. chicken. But, but people, Michael, people don't see that. Bernie Sanders is older than Biden, but Bernie doesn't act or sound as old as Biden. They protect. Biden. I think the Democrats, Michael, fuck up by not letting Biden be Biden, by not letting Biden get out there. Biden should get out there and say, yeah, I'm old. Yeah, I take a nap. Yeah, I forget some things every fucking day, but I will defend this democracy every day. I wish they'd let Biden do that because right now, a lot of them, look, Democrats aren't excited about Biden. I'm worried about a lot of Democrats staying at home because, Michael, we are a forgetful, stupid people. We will be four years removed from 2020. Some people, believe it or not, are not going to be thinking as much about what Trump did on January 6th. That's a problem. Well, it's not going to be a problem because you, Joe, myself, uh, groups like Midas Touch and Lincoln yeah. Project and Justice Matters and, um, you know, and um, uh, Adam Parkmenko and uh, Pacman and everybody else. We're going to continue to remind the American population through our various, you know, social media platforms exactly who Donald Trump is. I will sit on television 24-7. I will continue to do my YouTubes with political beatdown or mea culpa, wherever I need to do it in order to... I don't care if I have to go on TikTok and live on TikTok live simply to turn around. And if I can just... If I could reinforce into people's minds... If you have ever seen The Handmaid's Tale and you think that Donald Trump and these ass fuckers that are sitting there around him, from the Steve Bannons to the Steve Millers to the Mike Pences, if they don't think of themselves as the commanders and that they're not going to turn around and impose their theocracy into your lives like they already have done when it comes to issues like Roe v. Wade or same-sex marriage or interracial marriage or whatever else that they fucking think, right? They will. And the head commander is going to be Donald J. Trump, and democracy as we know it will be gone. And I promise you, once democracy is gone, there is no way to get it back because they will fight. They will have access to the armies and to technology and to everything else to ensure, just like Putin does in Russia. They will ensure that it doesn't matter ever who you vote for. All that matters is who's counting the vote. Michael, Michael, you're right. And if that son of a bitch gets reelected, you got to leave the country. I got to leave the country. You, you, me, and a bunch of people are on his enemies list and watch out what he'll do. But people need to understand if he's the Republican Party nominee, he's got about a 50 50 chance of getting reelected. Maybe 48, 47, 46% chance, but it's somewhere in that middle. And I worry about not the people you're talking to or the people I'm talking to, but man, there are a lot of low information voters out there who tell me every day, yeah, you know, Trump's crazy, but Biden's old and I was doing better economically under Trump. And, you know, Trump's was just kind of funny. He didn't mean a lot of what he said. I hear a lot of that shit increasingly, Michael, every day. Democrats and Biden got to wake up to this. 
You know, that same Quinnipiac poll turned around and said 65% of American voters believe that Biden is too old. And I don't know, I don't know, and I'm with you on this one, I don't know why the DNC, why the Democratic Party doesn't get out there and discuss more about Biden's accomplishments. Let, so if I was speaking to Jamie Harrison, and I try to use this podcast sometimes, maybe somebody who's on this thing knows him. Maybe somebody yeah. could slap him behind the back of the head and say, hey, maybe you should listen to this shit. How about you turn around and you run an ad that says, let me tell you something about sleepy Joe Biden, about old man Joe Biden. Here are 23 accomplishments that Joe Biden, that Sleepy Joe, has actually accomplished more than Donald Trump in his four years by double. So here they are. Let's just talk about the American Rescue Plan. Let's talk about green energy spending. Let's talk about infrastructure spending. Let's talk about, you know, the Supreme Court confirmation of Katanji Brown Jackson. Let's talk about marijuana sentencing reform. Let's talk about some gun reform, some sensible gun reform that he's had passed, or lowering prescription drug prices, or raising taxes on the wealthy and corporations, or reauthorizing the Violence Against Women's Act, or reform forming U.S. Postal Service. We can go on or the student loan forgiveness program. We can go on and on and on about it. But you know what? The guy's so tired. He's so old. He hasn't, you know, if, if you think that Donald Trump can do more, despite the fact that he didn't, Donald would be your guy. Hey, 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 Michael, here's the reality. And it's been this way from the beginning. A big part of a president's job is public communication, using the bully pulpit. And let's be honest, man, for whatever reason, Biden sucks at that. They don't let him use the bully pulpit. They shield him from the public. He shouldn't allow it and his advisors shouldn't allow it because it's given people the impression that they're afraid to have him out here. Michael, look at this debt ceiling deal. On substance, Biden kicked McCarthy's ass. On substance, Biden won that deal. But you know what? Publicly, PR-wise, it's going to look like McCarthy and the Republicans won because they're out there every day touting it. Biden has got to do this part of his job. Yeah, it is. I'm so with you on that. You know, I so seriously would love to figure out how to throw my hat into this race because I truly believe that the country would love to see a debate between Donald Trump and myself, the two of us head to head on a stage debating politics, the issues, talking about, because here's the one thing that Donald knows no facts. Donald makes up the facts and he makes them up in these broad, generalized sort of ways I could, I could end the Russia-Ukraine war tomorrow if I yeah. wanted, right? He gives that bullshit. In 24 hours, I could do it. I could fix the immigration problem in 24 hours. I could fix, I could fix the, you know, the, the green energy problem if I wanted in 24 hours. 
everything he could do in 24 hours. Meanwhile, he had four years, he accomplished shit, right? Me, I would be as nasty as he is, and then some, while sitting on that stage, making him look like the fucking fool that he is in front of the entire world, because he doesn't know facts. He doesn't even want to read. He doesn't want to learn the facts, Joe. What kind of a well, president doesn't want to know facts? Well, hey, Michael, I'd love to see you up on a stage with him. Look, I ran against him in 2020 uh, only because I wanted to get on a stage with him and go after him. And then they canceled 22 primaries. I would love to see you run for president because you would be on a stage with him and you'd know how to go after him. All of these other Republicans don't. Chris but Christie's I'm a Democrat. I've been it. a Democrat my whole life. So I would be, is a Republican. I can't switch my party now. It's too late. I want yeah. you to get on a debate stage with him. Chris Christie, Chris Christie's coming out next week. And I mean, he's going to go after Trump. But where the fuck has he been the last seven years? Yeah, look, I know Chris. I bumped into him not too long ago. Um, he's he's actually a good man. It's just. The. A debate between Chris Christie and Donald Trump would sink so low into the yeah. gutters, Donald would shred him on appearance, on his weight, on his eating habits. Yeah. He would go so fourth grade, you know, that people, like they did at that fucking CNN town hall meeting, they stood up and they applauded the idiocy of Captain Chaos. I mean, they applauded the nonsense that he was spewing. Could you imagine what he would end up doing to Chris Christie? Yeah. Hey, you and I, by the way, my friend, you and I probably disagree on that, don't we? I think it was a good thing CNN had that town hall. I but think... I, I think Donald Trump needs to be exposed for who he is at every opportunity. Except, I'm with you on that. I believe that CNN made the right decision, not just with having that town hall, but using Caitlin Collins as the moderator. Yeah. I, thought she did, I thought she did as good a job as anybody could have done in terms of dealing with Donald. Where yeah. I fault CNN, and they need to be faulted on it, is that they should not have allowed him to stack the audience with his people. And that's what they did. So when they, when they got up and they started applauding when he was nasty to her, calling her a nasty person, uh, you know, making all the other Donald Trump snide comments that he does, and they got up and they cheered for him, it almost made it seem as if that is legitimate and that that, that, um, that crowd was legitimate. It was not. Well, Michael, I love you, brother, but I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with you only on this point. My former political party wants cruelty. They want bigotry. They want nastiness. I think that CNN town hall also exposed to the country who is watching. This is where today's Republican Party is. Look, they're applauding this shit. I think that needs to be out there all the time, too. Okay, and then let me just give a little counterpoint to that. And nevertheless, Donald Trump remains at the top of the list of declared potential candidates, and he's basically head-to-head -head 
with Joe Biden, yeah. a guy who has accomplished so much for this country, right? Including, I think that they're too passive when it comes to the way, like, for example, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, is acting. And I think Joe Biden should have put Merrick Garland in his place. Either you do your job or I have to replace you two years ago. But, you know, as cruel as your former party wants to be and the way that they cheer Donald Trump on for the way he behaves— He's neck and neck with Joe Biden. Yeah. As I said, a guy who's accomplished so much in such a short period of time. And you're right. The Democrats do not know how to take credit for this um, debt ceiling. And, but, I but, would, but. And, if, and if Biden was smart, he would get out there right from the Oval Office, sit right at the desk and say, yes, it was bipartisan. Let me also give you another little, another little factoid. For six years, we have not had bipartisan legislation being passed. Certainly, we had no bipartisan legislation passed under the former administration, but not under mine. In fact, since I took over, we've had 15 different bills passed bipartisan. That's the way America's supposed to work. So if you're really looking for a dictatorship, America's not your country. This is the way America's supposed to be. Republicans, Democrats working together. It's not a perfect solution. It never will be. But it's bipartisan. Hey, 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 Michael, I'm a former Republican. I'm a crazy Tea Party conservative. I would give my right arm right now if I could be Joe Biden's advisor for the next year and a half. Because I, 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 I would tell him to do the shit you're telling him to do. I would tell him to get out there. I would tell him to laugh about how old he is. Look at what he believes in. Laugh that he has to take a nap once a day. Big fucking deal. The American people would relate to him. It's on him to get out there. Yeah. Actually, I would almost create like a very funny commercial where, yeah. you know, we would, dye, we would dye his hair jet black. You know, give him like a little pompadour like Elvis and so on and have him out there, you know, hosting a function. You know, I, that's really what I would do. A big fundraiser, a big money fundraiser, you know, making fun of his age, making fun that he doesn't dye his hair, you know, yellow like Donald with the orange paste on his face looking like a fucking Oompa Loompa. Right. But that Oompa Loompa they think is young and vibrant. And Joe Biden, because his hair is gray and he... Listen, he he talks quietly, so therefore he's old and he's incompetent, according to so many, too too many people, and it's just wrong. So let me move on and ask you this: because last week, NBC's Steve Kornacki wrote, and I quote. Biggest problem for DeSantis here seems that not only is he not being helped by the electability question, he's being hurt by it. Can imagine Republicans who, like Trump, remembering being told he couldn't win in 2016 and was headed for a landslide loss in 2020 and now just tuning it out. Can you do me a favor? Can you unpack what Kornacki is saying here for my listeners? Yeah, this is perfect, Michael. This is what we're talking about. You led the show with how the fuck can these Republicans not understand that Trump can't win in November because they don't believe he lost in 2020. They were told in 2020 by all the experts he was going to get killed. 
He lost in a close election, but it was a stolen election, they believe. Back in 2016, Michael, these same voters were told there's no way Trump can win. He pulled off right the upset of the century. So when people today, experts today, tell Republican voters Trump can't win, they don't believe him. They, 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 they've tuned these people out because in their mind, these people were wrong in 16 and 20. Trump defied the odds in both of those elections. They think he'll do it the same. And by the way, again, Trump's improved his standing in these polls. Five, six months ago, Biden was up seven, eight, nine points on him. Trump has narrowed that gap. So he's right there. They don't believe it. Yeah. Well, look, let, let me just sort of do because I was obviously there in 2016 and a and a real part of yeah. that, you know, of that shit show. Here's the difference between 2016 and 2020. You didn't really know Donald Trump in 2016. You knew what we told you about him. He's this mega, mega billionaire. He's worth 10, maybe more billion. He's a success at everything that he does. He's going to fix immigration. He's going to fix, build a wall. Mexico's going to pay for it. He's going to be the number one infrastructure president in the history of this country. That's who he is. He's a builder. He does it better than anybody else. Uh, he's going to rebuild our military. He's going to create jobs. He's got everything he's going to do. And people bought into the bullshit like they bought into The Apprentice. All right. And here's what his four years showed. He's not a billionaire. Basically, every venture that he's ever entered has flopped. All right. He has no idea what he's talking about most of the time. He is cruel as cruel can be. He's racist, sexist, misogynistic, he's xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, and anti-Semitic to boot. Why in the world would you vote for him in 2020? And then you have somebody like Joe Biden, who's there. Empathetic guy. You know, a, a guy who's gone through massive family pains, loss of child, loss of multiple children, loss of his first wife, right? There's a guy who cares about the military, cares about America, has service. He actually reads and he wants to be updated on information uh, in his daily briefings, not be given three or four bullet points that he could talk about them on his, you know, untruth social or Twitter at the time. It's a totally different type of person. Fast forward, fast forward to 2024. And you're right. Americans have forgotten now what you have learned about Donald Trump. And if I need to say it again, I'm happy to do it. He is, with no questions asked, a racist, sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semite. Plain and simple. He's an authoritarian wannabe, a dictator, a monarchical, you know, maniac. And that's who he is. And that's not who we should have as the leader of the free world. So, so Michael, newsflash to your whole fucking audience. I come from the Republican Party base. I'll say it again, everybody listening to us right now. Wake up. Uh, this is what 
the base wants. One of our two major political parties is fully radicalized. They want an authoritarian. They want a dictator. They want a bully. They want somebody cruel. How do I know this? Because, Michael, for six years, they've been telling me this every single day. So he's exactly what the Republican Party wants. So when he gets the nomination and it's him against Biden, let's be honest. There are a lot of low information voters in the middle who say Trump's an asshole, but Biden's old and the Democrats are out of touch. Eh, maybe I'll vote for the asshole again. That's that's the danger, Michael. I'm telling you. There's a second danger that we need to unpack you there as well. What I hear from certain Democrats, and I'm talking about lifelong Democrats, they hate Trump with a passion. But let me tell you who else that they despise. And I don't know why, but they do. Kamala Harris. Yeah. I don't know what this I don't know what this issue is. I don't know why they are so um they get so emotional. When her name is mentioned, it reminds me so much of like the Hillary Clinton effect. She just does not resonate. And people are afraid because he is old that, God forbid, he passes over the course of the next four years. She becomes our president. And they don't want that. Now, well, are they willing yeah, to burn they, down Michael, the country they, and to vote for Trump as opposed to as opposed? Could you imagine if Trump? Who do you think Trump's going to have as a vice president? Right, uh, Marjorie uh, well, Toilet Green? No, it'll be a woman. It may be it may be Carrie Lake. It may be Nikki Haley. It's going to be a woman. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Nikki Haley. Uh, she said too many nasty things about him recently. You really want Carrie Lake? You would take a Carrie Lake? over even even Kamala Harris? I mean, for God's sakes, I'm trying to figure out, and I'm constantly Googling this shit. I'm trying to see what the fuck is it that Kamala Harris has or has not done that gets people so enraged and the, and the vitriol when her name is mentioned. I don't get it. Well, I, Michael, I think it's this. I think it's this with Kamala Harris. Most Democrats are scared to death because they know she couldn't win. Kamala Harris's biggest problem is she's a 56 or seven year old woman and she still doesn't know who or what she believes in politically. Her biggest problem, Michael, on paper, she's dynamite, right? But her biggest problem is it's like she's got no core. What do you believe in, lady? And voters sense that about her. It's too bad because maybe she could be really good, but I don't know what she really stands for. If Joe Biden's out of the picture and it's Kamala Harris, Michael, I think there'll be a food fight on the Democratic side. Okay, so let me ask you this then. What does Donald Trump stand for? Nothing. Trump. No, no, no. Trump stands for Trump. Exactly. He doesn't stand for America. At least she stands for America. At least she stands for the Constitution. At least you know that if she ever was in the position to put her hand on that Bible and to swear to uphold the, the Constitution and to protect America, that she means it. This guy, a Bible, you can put, it, could, it could be on a comic book. It was it upside make, down. It was an upside down Bible. Yeah. Well, let me ask since we hey, brought up Michael, Chris Michael, Christie. Michael, Michael, 
I just I, I lost my right arm to be Biden's advisor. I would I would give up my left arm to be Kamala Harris's advisor because I'd want to shake her up and say, who are you? Talk to the American people. This is what I believe in. Get tough. She needs to get tough. And this is part of the again, the mistake about the DNC and about this administration. They should have her out there, especially now. You have to understand that many people do not want to see another Biden-Harris ticket because of Biden's age and the fear that yeah. Harris will become president. How about endear her to the American people? I've met her. She's actually a very decent lady. She, she's, she's endearing. You know, she is an incredibly warm smile. She could be very, um, she could be very genuine. Put it out there. Get it out well, there. Instead, don't hide her, especially when people are afraid of her. Michael, we don't see that. We don't see anything genuine about her. And I say that very objectively. That's a problem. It, you know what it is, Michael? Ron DeSantis is 44 years old, and they have to tell him every fucking day to smile because he's a prick. He doesn't like to smile. He doesn't like people. Think about that. You're a 44-year-old governor, and you need to be reminded to fucking smile every day. That's a problem. Somebody should also remind him after you sneeze, don't wipe it on one of your followers' <laughs> sport jackets. All right? He's a fucking pig. And the thought of him as, could you imagine? I mean... Him as the president of the United States, my God, I mean, I don't even know what's happened to this country. There's 360 million approximate Americans in this country. I think 260 of them are, you know, are of the age that, you know, that they could be a presidential candidate. And this is the best that we got coming out of the GOP. But since we're talking hey. about GOP... I want to ask you, let's go back to Chris Christie for a quick second, because obviously, you know, he announced that he's going to be running again. All right. I mean, a lot of people are asking the same question that we asked before. I mean, is he a glutton for punishment? I mean, no pun intended there either. I mean, seriously, is he? Or do you think that there's some secret lane, you know, for sane Republicans that maybe he sees? All right. So, so Michael, by the way, Michael, I'm, first I want to compliment you. Um, you have been preoccupied the last 12 to 13 years on other stuff. But I was in Congress 9, 10, 11 years ago. Our politics is broken. That's why we get Trump. And that's why, like DeSantis, our politics is broken. On Chris Christie, look, Chris Christie is all about advancing Chris Christie. He has no fucking chance to get the nomination. Newsflash to your audience, Michael, as a former Republican, there's only one fucking lane in the Republican Party. It's the Trumpy lane. And right now, Trump and DeSantis are in that lane. There's no other lane, period. There, there's not even a, a Trump kind of sort of critical lane. There's no other lane. The only reason Christie would get in is to advance Chris Christie's career. I, I look, I, I got no problem with that if that's what you want to do. But that's all he'd be doing. Sadly enough, that's not what politics is supposed to be about. It's not about advancing your political career or to get onto a board, you know, so that, you know, you show up four times a year and you get paid a million dollars. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah, yeah, the yeah. problem. Well, too. Michael, there's, too much, there's too much money in politics right now. Uh, 
Well, it's not money, my friend. You and I have argued about this before, but here's the problem. You nailed it. I say this as a former politician. They, you, you have to be relevant. These guys and gals, they cry every day trying to be relevant. You want to stay in the game. You want to stay on TV. You want to matter. And that's, Christie is that on steroids, but most politicians are that way. You got to stay relevant. Well, let me ask you this then, Joe, because last week you tweeted a message that stirred up a lot of emotion amongst your followers. And you said, I'm going to quote, here's the thing. All these GOP challengers to Trump who are afraid to say Trump lost in 2020 are actually making the case to nominate Trump again. I mean, if the 2020 election was really stolen, who was it stolen from? So the only way to avenge 2020 is by nominating Trump. So do me a favor, unpack what you were thinking there and what you were saying. Well, it's just, Michael, it's just crazy. DeSantis and all of these challengers, they're in the same cowardly trap. They can't say, Trump says the 2020 election was stolen. No challenger, Republican challenger, can say 2020 wasn't stolen. If you say 2020 wasn't stolen, you have no shot because most Republican voters, the vast majority, believe it was stolen. So DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, they all have to echo that. Well, if you say the 2020 election was stolen, oh, my God, then 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 who was it stolen from? Donald Trump. Well, then, damn it, he's got to be our nominee in 24. That's the ultimate retribution. If they stole it from him in 20, he's got to be the guy. They're setting Trump up because, Michael, they're such cowards. They can't say the truth that the election wasn't stolen. But their cowardice is actually elevating Trump to be the mythic hero. You see... If I was on that stage and he starts with his bullshit about... What would you say? What would you say? Okay. I would turn around and I would say, Donald, you're an idiot. Let me be very clear about something. It was not stolen. In fact, there were 60 lawsuits that were filed by you and your team... And you lost each and every one of them. Fox News, as a direct result of this big lie, had to pay out mega billions of dollars. Let me tell you something. You actually did much better than what you should have based upon your performance over the course of the previous four years. Let me tell you why. Not only are you a dumb as shit, but you're incompetent as well. This is how you have to speak, because as Republicans, and you said that, and and I agree with you wholeheartedly, they like nasty, but they also like intelligence nasty. All right. Donald does not bring the intelligence nasty. He brings the simple. Michael, how would Trump, if you said that on a stage, how would Trump respond to you? He wouldn't know how. He'd go after you personally. And say what? And say what? Uh, Play this game out. yeah, he was in jail. Uh, uh, I was in was jail convicted. because you got your peck pulled by a porn star. Next. I, 
I, I, I made him You got your mushroom pecker I, pulled by a porn star. Michael listen Cohen. Up, listen just, up, little hands. Little hands, Donald. You got your mushroom pecker uh, pulled by a porn star. And on top of that, bitter, you suck loyal. in bed. Uh, and you suck loyal. in bed. Next. And you <laughs> suck in bed. How's that? All right. You're disloyal, and Fox News was a bunch of cowards for not sticking with the truth that the election was stolen. I mean, he'll no, just they, they stuck. On. They stuck with it to the point of five billion dollars and potentially more. All right, coming down the pike, thanks to you. You are what somebody would call a lava, uh, a lava flow. Everything that f is falls in its path gets burnt up and disintegrated. You have thrown more people under the bus than Kim Jong-un, your lover, right? Because you're the one who had the love notes. Listen, that's the only way to fight somebody like Donald. Michael, you Michael, if you go at him personally like that, nobody's ever done that. Do you think that would work on a debate stage? For me, it would. No, for anybody to go at him like that. I think it it's would. It's the only way to go against him because if you don't, He's going to make the same personal attacks against you, whether you like it or not. He did it to Hillary. He did it to Joe Biden. And everybody was like, oh, my God, Joe Biden, he turned to Donald, shut up. You know, you know, and so, oh, my God, Joe Biden told him to shut up. Really? I mean, you hear the things that Trump has been saying about him for the past 45, 50 minutes while they were debating on the stage. Now you go after him. You say, you know, it's I've always wanted to be on the stage with a blonde with big tits. I'm so happy to be here with you, Donald. You can't imagine. <laughs> this is what you have to say. I'm, ser I'm dead-ass serious. No, I agree. Right? And that's why no. I say I would love to be on a debate stage with him. Nothing. By the way, I think that would be, I think the whole world would tune in. I don't care if you're in Australia and you're, you know, 12 hours ahead and it was taking place at 3 a.m. in the morning or 5 a.m. People would be up waiting to watch it because I know I know his Achilles heel. I know his weaknesses. No one has yet to exploit them. And it needs to be exploited to call him out. Michael, I lost both arms. I'll give up both of my legs if I could see you on a debate stage with him. Um, Biden and then we're going to throw you that. in the water and call you Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and, but listen, no Republican will do that. The only one who might would be Christie. Yeah, except he just doesn't have it. He, he doesn't he doesn't have it. No, I mean, he could be nasty, but no, not in not in the way that not in the way that Donald and I know how to fight with one another. There's no doubt in my mind. Again, I know him just too well and I know all his Achilles heels. So let me ask you this then, because you recently sat down with David Froome on your incredible, excellent podcast. And I recommend people to listen to it. It's called The White Flag. And you took a deep dive on how we came to elect Trump as a nation and how we moved past him. That's the important part. How do we move past him? As he finds himself, you know, in familiar frontrunner status again. How do we move past Donald Trump if he continues to have, you know, this stranglehold on this base? So David Frum and I disagreed, Michael. I'd love your opinion. Frum thinks that if Trump loses in 24, it could happen a lot quicker than people think. Like Republicans will wake up a lot quicker than people think, like this is bad for the party. I disagree with that because I think Trumpism has moved beyond Trump. I mean, that's what DeSantis is. Again, the base 
of the party wants a prick, a bully. The other thing, though, Michael, is the base of the party is mostly older white people. Older white people tend to die. And so David Frum also thinks that when the base dies off to survive, the party's going to have to move away from Trumpism to appeal to young people. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree more with David on this one. Um, while I acknowledge Trumpism is a real problem, yeah, um, there is only one Donald Trump. We've seen everybody try to emulate him and fail. We've seen Ron, or as he, the idiot put it, Rob. Rob, he called him Rob instead of Ron, right? Um, you know, to sanctimonious. There's only one Donald Trump, and while they all try to emulate him to be the Donald Trump 2.0s, they're just not there. And they can't be there because they just don't have it. They don't have that ability to speak the way he speaks in that sort of entertaining way where he doesn't really yeah. talk, he sings, and people like his moves. And the fact that he looks like a fucking clown with that flip-flap flop on top of his head with the, you know, with the orange, you know, coloring, and then he sits there and, uh, I mean, you know, it's funny, I forget who the comedian was uh, the, that turned around and said when Donald Trump does that dance, he looks like he's, uh, he's jerking off. Oh, I think it was Bill Maher. He looks like he's jerking <laughs> off two guys at the same time. It's the truth. There's something about him that's comical. It's comically stupid. Why? We as Americans, why there's any American that would vote for someone who's comically stupid I don't know. I could see watching him on a television show, but voting for him to be the president, I believe that well, once Trump loses, then I believe that even the older racists that follow him because he says the shit that he does, I believe that they're going to understand they lost big in 2020. They lost again in 2022 in the midterms, even though, yeah, they took the, they took the House, but they lost by, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the Senate ended up gaining seats. They were supposed to have some gigantic red wave. It was more of a blue wave. It's not good for the party. It's good for Donald, but not good for the party. I, I, I agree with what you said about Trump. He's a unique character. But, and I feel like I just want to scare your audience, I'm going to scare your audience one more time, only because I come from the base, the Republican base. And Michael, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Your audience needs to hear it. The base of the Republican Party has given up on democracy. They really have. Wow. They want, Michael, they want this mythical America back. And they've told me hundreds of times to my face, they want a fucking strong man to get it back for them. When America was a white Christian place and you could say Merry Christmas and all the rest, they no longer believe democracy, the democratic process can get that back for them. Only a dictator can. That's what the base believes. So when Trump is gone, I think they're still gonna be looking for another dictator to deliver for them. Well, <laughs> great. Scary shit. It sure is. Well, talk about more scary shit. Last week, 
Roger Stone gave a speech to a group of hardline evangelical MAGA supporters at Trump's Doral Resort. And these weren't ordinary Christians, but the real loonies, right? I mean, what the bulwark called a traveling roadshow of QAnon conspiracy theorists, COVID denialists, and charismatic pastors and prophets. One of its headliners is Trump's short-lived national security advisor, Michael Flynn, now an arch-conspiracist. Another speaker at the event appeared to claim that we're heading for armed combat against evil mermaids. I mean, seriously, evil mermaids. The implication is that while the mainstream evangelical right is abandoning Trump like the likes of Ron DeSantis, or I should say for the likes of Ron DeSantis, these folks remain steadfast in Trump's corner and will be his true army, both in getting people to the polls and for the potential violence, if, if in fact he doesn't make it. Do me a favor, discuss this with me and my listeners. And I don't know how big it is, Michael, but there's a group of the base, there's a percentage of the base, 30, 35, 37%, that is not um, pro-Trump, they're only Trump, only Trump. And these people, Michael, believe that the left has destroyed this America. They believe the left is guided by the devil. They've told me this. And they believe that God picks, Michael, sometimes flawed dudes to be his warriors. They believe Trump is a flawed human being who God has anointed to destroy the left, guided by the devil. These people are not going to support any other Republican, which is another reason if Trump doesn't get the nomination, DeSantis, whoever it is, good fucking luck. This 30 percent will just leave. They won't vote for any other Republican. It's a religious war, Michael. Well, then let me ask you, let me ask you this one then, because you tweeted um, today something very important. And I'm going to quote again. Every never Trumper has their own red line. Mine is this. I won't support any Republican who supported Trump in 2020. If you still supported Trump after his four years in the White House, during which it was crystal clear how manifestly unfit he was, I can't support you. Who are you speaking to in a particular, in particular when you send this message? Who are you trying well, to reach? Well, a couple things, Michael. The le Democrats who follow me always bombard me with, okay, you don't like Trump, you're not going to vote for Trump, but you'll vote for any other Republican, right? And then I get a bunch of conservatives who yell at me, all right, Joe, I get it, you don't like Trump, but you'll support DeSantis or Pence or Nikki Haley. And look, I'll be honest, most never Trumpers, uh, guys you know, Michael, they'll support DeSantis. They'll support whoever the nominee is as long as it's not Trump. We all have our line. My line is that after four years of that guy in the White House, if you still supported him, then to me, you're not fit to be president. So that's my own line. Like, I can never support any Republican who voted for Trump in 2020. 
So that includes damn near every Republican, right? Besides Mitt Romney. By the way, Liz Cheney, hero. Liz Cheney uh, supported and helped Trump win in 2020. So I understand it's a tough line, but it's a never Trumper line that most other never Trumpers who you and I know, they don't have that that tough of a line. That's just my line. Yeah, listen, it's it's a line. You're right. It's a line. It's your line. The problem that exists is, let's say you are a staunch Republican. I'll never vote for a Democrat as long as I live. I, I don't care. How could you vote for Tim Scott? How could you vote for Ron DeSantis? I mean, I want people to think for a second, oh, my God, you know, Florida did so much better than other parts of the country during COVID and so on. Really? Really? You think so? How many people died in Florida unnecessarily? Okay. You actually happen to have better weather so people are outside. Yeah. It's not yeah. like New York City where we live on top of each other. We don't have houses with backyards and so on. But plenty of people got sick in Florida. Plenty of people. Why is it the handling of COVID? Are you going to tell me that COVID wasn't real? Well, many of these, many of these never-Trumpers do not believe so. Uh, yeah. You know, they will fight you to this day. I've seen how many reports that they want to bring charges, I mean, against Dr. Anthony Fauci for his handling of COVID, almost to the point to make him a war criminal. I mean, this is is insane. So he's a war criminal, and we still lost a million Americans. And I say to people all the time, I want you to think about the number one million. And I want you to think of, just visualize a table. And now visualize that table a million times. And you're missing one chair from that dinner table. So sitting there might be your mother, but not your father, or your sister, not your brother, or your cousin, or not your aunt, or not your uncle, or not your friend, uh, or so on, right? Simply because they were lost to COVID. And whose fault is that? I'll tell you whose fault it is. It's Donald Trump's fault. And I'll tell you who else's fault it is. It's Mike Pence, who stupidly got up on that stage at CPAC and touted the bullshit Donald told him to tout, which is that it's like a cold. Everybody will be back to work in a few days. The president is on it. We are on it. You weren't on shit. You thought that this was going to disappear because douchebag Donald told you that it was going to disappear. But it didn't disappear. What disappeared was a million lives. How much, if you could bottle the sorrow and the pain and the hurt on the loss of those million lives and then try to quantify that, could you imagine the weight of that sorrow simply because you couldn't put on a fucking mask? Really? Uh, Michael, Trump's greatest legacy is the destruction of truth. But I often think his second greatest legacy is the, the, the destruction of empathy. Donald Trump is humanly incapable of empathy. Look, you mentioned DeSantis. I, I, I was a Republican, Michael, because I believed in freedom, free markets, free trade, liberty for all, opportunity, all of that stuff, limited government. 
Ron DeSantis is the kind of Republican I detest. He's an authoritarian. You mentioned Tim Scott. Uh, I served with Tim Scott. I really like him. Good guy. He represents the kind of Republican I was, but I can never forgive Tim Scott for keeping his mouth shut these past seven years. Tim Scott knows what Donald Trump is, but he decided, like all the Republicans, to look the other way and to keep quiet. I can never forgive that. Yeah. You know, it reminds me so much of like the movie, The, um, the Usual Suspect, right? Uh, you know, there's the movie, line of there with Kaiser, with Kaiser Sozi, right? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. That's yeah. Donald. That's Donald. The greatest trick that Donald ever pulled was, you know, the, was fucking up the truth and telling you that the truth is not the truth, right? But don't, don't worry about the truth. The truth is what I tell you it is. That's, it's the same sort of, the same sort of yeah. thing. But let me move on and ask you this then, because you recently said that you are, and I quote again, shaking my head about all this hope for a sane Republican or Trump critical candidate to run for president. Cut it out. There is no sane lane in this GOP. There is no never Trump lane. There is no not Trump lane. There is only a Trumpist lane. And both Trump and DeSantis are in that lane. Now, this is a really important point. What happened to the same G GOP lane, right? I mean, where did those candidates go? Are they even out there? Okay, yes, Mitt Romney. I get it, right? Who else is out there? And I mean, is the GOP irreparably damaged to the point that a third party is required or a just burn down the GOP altogether and just rebuild? Lose the next four, eight years, but then rebuild. What's the deal here? Yeah, Michael, those are such good fucking questions. Look, I, as a former Republican, forget about it. Stick a fork in them. I think the party is done. I don't think this Republican Party will ever recover. I think it's dying, Michael, as a national political party. It's becoming a rural regional party. I do think within the next 10 years, there will be another major political parties. What happened to all the same Republicans? Like me, they left uh, or they're still under their bed. They're still under their bed, Michael, waiting for the Trump tornado to be done. I've had so many Republicans, Michael, tell me privately over the last seven years, hey, Joe, don't worry about it. Uh, Trump's going to be gone soon and then we can get back to where we were. Utter bullshit. So that's where a lot of the same Republicans are. They're just, they're still hiding under their bed, waiting for Trump to be gone. Well, they got booted out like the Adam Kinzingers, right? Good guy. Great guy. President, gr presidential candidate possibility yeah. for sure. And instead, he gets booted. Now he's a commentator, you know, on CNN or MSNBC, yeah. Mazel Tov, right? Instead, somebody like him who served our country honorably, yep. who loves this country, who respects the Constitution, who's well-spoken, who only talks based upon facts, not upon innuendo. He gets booted, right? And this other, this other putz, you know, is now filling the lane. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Michael, but Michael, think about that. Kinzinger and I 
got elected together, same state. Adam Kinzinger is a rock solid conservative. And think about it. There is no place in this Republican Party for him. That says it all. That does say it all. And it sits on my mind all the time. And the ones that the sane Republicans, the ones like the Adam Kinzingers that are still there in Washington as members of Congress or whatever their positions are, they just don't have the balls to come out and to call it the way like I would call it if I was, you know, challenging Donald Trump. They just don't have the balls to do it. Hey, Michael, I was on CNN two weeks ago and I said, fuck it. I didn't say fuck it. Uh, the Republican Party can't be saved. Quit trying to fix it. Quit trying to reform it. Quit trying to save it. Our only job now is to defeat it. That's all we're supposed to do right now is defeat what this thing is. Yeah, well, let me just say say this, because as the hour comes to an end, I have one last question for you. And um, this is just another one that just sort of exemplifies everything that we've been talking about for the past hour and the insanity, the lunacy, the craziness that's going on there. It's been reported, factually reported, that Trump is out there scrambling to unmask the feds investigating him. And this isn't just one day. Over months, former president has asked close advisors, including at least one of his personal attorneys, if, and I quote, we know all the names of senior FBI agents and Justice Department personnel who have worked on the federal probes into him. The goal, of course, for Trump, if he is reelected, is to purge the FBI and the DOJ's ranks of these officials and agents who've led the Trump-related criminal investigations and then to install extreme loyalists like the Mike Flynn's of the world or, you know, the Jeffrey Clark's of the world at the highest levels. The insanity, the insanity of that is beyond obvious, but it raises the question of how do we control Trump if he actually does get in, wow. right? How do we control him? What levers do we have left to counter the threat that he poses against the basic democracy, against our basic democratic rights? Because I know what happens when you have Donald Trump in power. He'll unfucking constitutionally remand you back to prison like he did to me based on the violation of a person's First Amendment constitutional right. He made me the first political prisoner held by my own country. What do you say so, to that? So, so, Michael Cohen, the only takeaway to what you just said is wake up, America, because this is what Trump is doing as a former president and candidate for president. Imagine what he will do if he's president again. And Michael, I only point out you because you are a, a courageous person in the fucking public square who stood up against him. Hey, America, if Donald Trump is reelected, somebody like Michael Cohen, his very life will be in danger. I believe that, Michael, because I believe this is what that son of a bitch would do if he's in power again. There's no doubt about that one. In fact, I mean, look, he, he does it every single day, even now. He does it even now. 
Yeah. Okay, he doesn't have that massive platform like he had uh, with Twitter with 100 million followers, but he's got more than enough. And you have still Newsmax and OAN, not so much yeah. Fox anymore, but you still have enough yeah. outlets that continue to promote his um, vitriol and his hatred and to go after people. Um, you're not joking when you say that, you know, my, my life is in danger even right now, but right now, you know, look, um, I continue to come forward. I continue to be responsive, which is my responsibility to government. When they ask a question, I have asked for nothing. I have received nothing from them yep. uh, in exchange for it, which I do believe makes me stupid to some extent. But at the end of the day, accountability matters. And Donald needs to be held accountable. And this country is worth saving. Our democracy is worth saving. And I've said this many times, and I'm going to end by saying this. If you have a strong America, you have a strong world. If you yep. have a weak America, you have a weak world. And if you have a weak world, rest assured, life as we know it will not be the same. And that's a real problem, and that's worth fighting for, and that's why I fight the way that I do. God bless you, brother. Love what you do, Michael Cohen. Keep it up, my friend. Thank you, Joe, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. So you stay the course too, my friend, and I will see you very, very soon. And now for today's mea culpa. In thinking about my conversation with Joe Walsh, I'm really truly deeply worried about the 2024 election. The GOP has turned so far to the right and away from sanity that they have painted themselves into a corner. The only true base of support left are the maniacs and the radical Christian evangelicals as well as the QAnon wingnuts who make up the front line of the MAGA army. Evangelical leaders once played a critical role in building the coalition that actually won Donald the presidency. Today, however, Donald finds himself now lashing out at the same group that he once relied on as many faith leaders have chosen to remain on the sidelines in the early stages of his third bid for the White House. Without these voices pushing their faithful to vote for Trump, he must turn his attention towards, well, the real fucking crazies. The only ones that really back him. The ones who will continue to support him even if he fucking shot someone in the face on Fifth Avenue. What this means for the rest of us, and my friends, listen carefully here. What this means for the rest of us is a truly divisive and frightening 2024 campaign that's just about to start. Trump doesn't have to pretend anymore that he is good or that he is pious, because he's not. He can now just embrace the darkness in a way that he hadn't yet ever done. And that's the part that's terrifying. So now frame that against the backdrop of a potential Trump indictment. In Donald's mind, his only way towards freedom is to incite these fucking lunatics in a way that will make January 6th look like a picnic. So my friends, my listeners, forewarned, be forewarned, because the real darkness starts now. And that's why I keep calling to action our need to ensure that we get out and vote, that we stay united, and we stop Donald right now. And as always, thanks for listening. 
Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Thank <laughs> you.